The New York Rangers enjoy a phenomenal month of October, highlighted by a 5-0 road trip. What have we learned about Peter Laviolette, Artemi Panarin, and the importance of the preseason? All this and much, much more on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 930 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. And we are, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Rangers conclude the month of October in spectacular fashion. Once again, a 5-0 road trip. They go 7-2 overall uh, during the month of October. That is the third best record in the NHL. They only trail the Bruins and the Vegas Golden Knights. And obviously a lot to like. You know, there's always some things that they can do better and things you can nitpick here and there. But for the most part, I think just about anybody would have signed up for a 7-2 start to the season, especially under a new head coach, learning a new system, a lot of different players, you know, in the mix this year as well. Uh, mostly good stuff all around for the month of October for the New York Rangers. And we're going to kind of celebrate the occasion here. You know, again, a strong month of October by going through some of the biggest takeaways uh, regarding the Rangers throughout what was, again, a very successful opening month of the season. And I think the first thing that really stands out for me, at least, is the team is completely bought into Peter LaViolette and whatever he's been selling. Uh, he's a coach that, you know, watching him over the years, and, uh, you know, they had that, I believe it was on HBO, one of those channels, I think it was HBO, the Road to the Winter Classic. That's the first time I remember really getting a chance to see what Peter LaViolette was like. Uh, they focused on the Rangers and Flyers that year. And interestingly, Tortorella was with the Rangers. LaViolette was with the Flyers. Um, but he's a coach that I think is tough but fair. And I know there was some concern out there over, you know, how is his fiery and demanding personality? How is that going to, you know, mix with guys like uh, Mika, Kreider, Panarin? Uh, you can maybe throw Adam Fox in there too. Guys that are all leaders and have their own way of, you know, uh, leading the team. But guys that maybe don't have the most fiery personalities, you know, they tend to be more lead by example type rather than uh, the rah rah stuff. Um, so that was at least something of a concern for certain Ranger fans, and it was in the back of my mind as well. But uh, so far, it seems like they've really uh, taken to their new coach, and uh, again, they're just buying whatever he's selling and seem to be uh, willing to play his system. And you could tell that right away, right from the opening game of the regular season in Buffalo. Seemed like it was going to be kind of a tough matchup for the Rangers going on the road against a Sabres team that's been getting better and better. Uh, they have some good young players on that team, but the Rangers went in pretty much dominate, and we've seen the Rangers uh, in that game and a lot of games that have followed use the 1-3-1 system uh, that Peter Laviolette seems to like to run. And you look at that game on opening night, the, the Rangers were giving Buffalo fits. Uh, the Sabres just couldn't really do anything to figure out how to uh, attack the Ranger defense and how to even get through the neutral zone, basically. And as the season has progressed here, uh, the Rangers, you know, strong team defense has been on display pretty much throughout these first nine games here. You look at the fact that they went 5-0 and on the road trip, and that's all well and good, and that's awesome. And obviously, you'll take that any day of the week because it's as good as you could possibly do on a road trip. But... You know, something that really stood out for me, they didn't just go 5-0. and They went 5-0 and while allowing their opponents a combined just seven goals in that five-game road trip. That is incredible. And for the Rangers to kind of uh, 
not only pick up the new system uh, this quickly, but also to buy into it this quickly. You know, both of those things, I, I think it's just tremendously impressive. They look like uh, they've been playing this way for years. And so far, the results have obviously been very positive. The Rangers seem like a more structured team. It's very difficult. The Raiders just, the way they're playing defense, they're just making everything difficult for their opponents. They talked on the broadcast the other night about how uh, there haven't been too many second chance opportunities for the Rangers opponents, and that's definitely true. Uh, one thing that I've picked up on is the Rangers really make it hard on teams when they're trying to exit their own zone. It just seems like the Rangers are contesting that play a lot more often this season. We've seen a couple different instances where a Ranger player will basically just steal the, the puck away as their opponent is, is trying to get out of their own zone, and they'll keep the offensive zone possession alive that way. Uh, just a, a sense of urgency, a sense of, you know, every single game matters, that this game is important. And, you know, something that I love and something that kind of backs up what I'm saying here is just look at this game, uh, this most recent game that the Rangers had against the Canucks. You know, obviously, the Rangers were already 4-0 on the road trip. And or rather the Jets, it was the Canucks and then the Jets, but the Rangers were 4-0 on the road trip going into the game against Winnipeg and they're down late in that game and they rally out of a, you know, pretty late hole. I mean, it wasn't that late. There were six minutes and change left, but uh, the Rangers, you know, they were up against it for times in that game. Second period, I thought uh, they did not have the better play at all, but they fought back. They hung in there and they found a way to get a win. Could have been satisfied, could have been complacent with a four and one road trip. Nah, the Rangers were going to battle back. And that's what they did. They sent the game into overtime where they ultimately won it. And again, just a fantastic road trip. Uh, something else that I love here, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what I just talked about. And obviously goes back to the entire topic of the Rangers buying into what Peter Laviolette is selling. You know, they seem like a better structured team defensively. They seem like they're more committed to playing really good team defense. You can pretty much look at any player up and down the roster. And I think that's true of uh, just about every player that the Rangers have. But the thing that I like here is they haven't really compromised themselves offensively all that much. I mean, I guess there's maybe a little bit less freelancing than maybe there was under Gerard Gallant, but they're still, despite the fact that the Rangers are emphasizing defense, they're still letting their skilled players be their skilled players. They're not trying to turn Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad into like four flying checkers and guys that are you know constantly involved in board battles and uh, doing nothing but dumping and chasing. No, they're they're letting them be who they are and still improving the defense. So we're kind of getting the best of both worlds here. Rangers are a very talented team. I certainly expect them to be you know near the top of the league as far as goals scored is concerned. But the way things are going, and perhaps even more encouragingly, uh, they might be near the top of the league as far as goals allowed are concerned by the end of the season. I think they're on top of the league right now without you know checking the stats. You know, I was doing a ton of digging and looking up stats. I did not look up that one. But if they're not at the top of the league, in terms of goals allowed per game, then they have to be very, very close. Uh, they've been absolutely outstanding. And when you give up, like I said, only seven goals in five games, you're going to start to climb the ranks there a little bit as far as uh, best in the league or near best in the league in terms of goals allowed per game. But yeah, I mean, Panarin's out there. He's being airtime Panarin. He's, he's got 15 points. Adam Fox has got 11 points. Mika's got nine points. Kreider's got eight points. It's all the guys that you would expect to be leading the way for the Rangers. And again, I don't think that any of their skill has been compromised um, to, to adapt to this new system. They're just playing better defense on top of being a, an already very skilled team. So that's great to see as well. Uh, another thing that I love here, uh, as far as something that Peter Laviolette has implemented, and I think a lot of people are going to be with me on this one, consistent line combinations. And I got to believe the players like that too. I got to believe the players appreciate the fact that, you know, one 
so-so shift or, or one so-so first period, it's, it's not going to result in all the lines being thrown into a blender and you're just kind of picking names out of a hat. It got to the point last year where I was kind of desensitized to it at a certain point. It, it gets to a point where you look at the line combinations at the start of the game and it's kind of just like, um, okay, sure, why not? That could work. But you don't even really commit it to memory because, you know, by the time the second period rolls around, everything looks different anyway. So, you know, maybe the players started to feel that way too where uh, they never could get used to being in a certain place in the lineup, could never get used to playing with the same guys, you know, night in and night out. But the Rangers have not made any, any changes to their line combinations the entire season. The only exception is, you know, Pitlick's been in a couple of times and VZ's handled the rest of the games. I believe now, yeah, VZ's played seven games, Pitlick played two, but that's it. And then, of course, Ryan Lindgren missed one game. Zach Jones had to jump in there. But other than that, uh, it's been the same Ranger combinations every single game. So I think you have to like that. Uh, another thing here, all six of the, or all three of the kids, rather, are being given a chance in the top six. Philip Heedle, Alexi Lafreniere, Capo Caco. Now, it's been to varying results so far. You know, Philip Heedle does have six assists. You'd expect him to be putting up uh, goals. Instead, he's he's chipping in with a bunch of helpers. Uh, Caco off to a little bit of a slow start, a goal and an assist. And Lafreniere has the four goals, but he's still looking for his first assist. So you hope that the best is yet to come here, but it's really nice to see uh, again, the consistency with the line combinations, and as a result of that, the kids getting opportunities in the top six. And, you know, we could nitpick some things. Kako with only the two points in nine games, and uh, Heel looking for his first goal, Lafreniere looking for his first assist, but the Rangers are still winning games. That's what's important, and it's nice to see that they're being given a little bit more rope than maybe they would have gotten in previous years. I have a hard time believing that any of those three players, Lafreniere, Kako, or Heedle, has been in the top six for nine straight games at any point in their careers thus far. And, you know, uh, there is something to be said for earning it and everything, but uh, I do like the fact that they're being given some rope and they're being given a chance uh, to stake their claim and show that they belong in the top six. And again, the Rangers are winning, so there's not really any reason to make any kind of changes. I am kind of curious, though, to see, you know, what Peter Laviolette, what exactly is his limit? Like, if the Rangers, you know, if they scuffle a little bit or if there's a little bit of a losing streak, at what point would he you know, change the line combinations. I'm curious to see how long that would go. But right now, um, there's no reason to think about making any changes because the Rangers are on fire. And, uh, you know, for the most part, everybody on this team playing very, very well. But again, to kind of wrap up this section on Laviolette here, as far as the biggest takeaways, Rangers have bought in. They're playing hard every night. They're playing with urgency every night. The only clunker that they had was that 4-1 home loss against the Predators. And I chalked that up to bleep happens. You know, 82 games, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's a good goal to be razor sharp all 82 games. But again, these are human beings. They are not robots. So every once in a while, the occasional clunker, um, you know, it, it, it happens. It happens to the best teams in this league. And it was nice to see them respond the way they have. They haven't lost since that clunker. They went on the road for five games and they won all five of them. So nice to see them uh, bounce back. Very, very impressive. We'll keep everything rolling in just a second here. Want to also talk about, you know, some other takeaways here, including the fact that the Rangers, and this is something I said in the preseason, but the fact that, this team right now, the opening night roster for the Rangers this year is far better than the opening night roster last year. I'm going to kind of revisit that one and kind of add on to it now that the Rangers have obviously played nine games this season. And also going to give some props to some of the Ranger free agent pickups, uh, looking like Chris Drury made some pretty savvy moves there at a low cost. And we'll get to all that fun stuff in just a second. First, though, we want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract 
interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. Indeed knows that when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why Indeed, with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash locked on, Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I right, just want to go ahead and thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And for the everydayers, definitely going to want to stick around. Looking forward to eventually talk about Rangers Canes, but that's not until Thursday. In our next episode, we're going to take an in-depth look at all the Ranger free agent pickups, everybody that's new to the team so far this season. Just kind of assess how they fit in and how they've done and where they can maybe in some cases look to be a little bit better uh, in a future episode, that being, of course, tomorrow's episode. So definitely looking forward for that. But right now, let's go ahead and keep our focus on, again, the biggest takeaways for the Rangers from the month of October. And again, I'm going to go back to something I said in the preseason. It's kind of a prediction that I made, and I think it's starting to uh, ring true, at least so far. And I know it's early, but a lot of uh, reason to believe that this will once again hold true this season. It's a much better Ranger team right now than it was at the start of last season. And when I mentioned this in the offseason, because I, I did an episode where I uh, caught a little bit of flack for it from some of you guys, but I think a lot of Ranger fans were still kind of upset about the way the season ended. Obviously, it was a disaster after the first two games against the Devils. The series just got away from them and uh, just miserable performances in games five and seven specifically. But, you know, I think that it kind of blinded some people and maybe even me to a certain extent to the fact that the Rangers are still a good team and they made their team better going into this season than it was going into last season. We're going to, again, kind of revisit this debate a little bit here. Uh, keep in mind, when I say last year's roster, I'm talking about the opening night roster. So Tarasenko doesn't count. Kane doesn't count. Mikola doesn't count. Mott does not count because they all joined at or near uh, the trade deadline. But, you know, I looked at the players that were joining this Ranger team this offseason. I felt pretty good about it. Obviously, you're not going to, add any big name free agents just because you know the the salary cap is such that the Rangers can't afford a player like that but I immediately felt that this was a much much better team this season think about some of the guys that were on the opening night roster last year and I had to go back and look this up obviously because I'm not gonna remember everybody but last year's opening night roster included guys like Ryan Carpenter Vitelli Kravtsov Ryan Reeves and Zach Jones all four of those players played on opening night and then you had three scratches they were Sammy Blay Dryden Hunt, and Libor Hayek. And there's nothing against any of those players. They all, I'm sure, did the best they could while they were here. But you look at the players that are on this team now, you can't tell me that the depth pieces, uh, the supporting players, so to speak, uh, that they're not better this year than they were last year. And you could chalk some of the Ranger fast start up to coaching uh, as far as why they're playing better at this point this season than they were at this point last season. But again, I, I just feel like this is an overall better team uh, that the Rangers have now than what they had during the start of this past season or last season, I guess we can call it at this point. And, you know, when I say all this, it doesn't even include the fact that, you know, some of the younger players on this Ranger team, you're hoping continue to get better and better. Kako, Hedl, Lafreniere, 
um, Miller, Schneider, you can throw Will Cooley in there. I mean, Cooley wasn't on the team last year, but he's in the mix now. So he's basically a new player for the Rangers. And overall, yeah, it's a better team. I, I will not be convinced otherwise. And to kind of piggyback off of what I just said, another big takeaway here, it's going to be a little bit bold because it is early in the season. So it's probably a little early to proclaim this, but I'm going to say the Rangers absolutely stole three different players in free agency this offseason, all three of them making six figures. Uh, they Those three players, Gustafson, Quick, Bonino. Uh, and again, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but the early returns on all three of these players has mostly been positive. You know, Jonathan Quick, of course, has only played in three games, started two of them, relieved Igor in another one. But look how good he's played. And, and they've defended well around him. But he, or, uh, Jonathan Quick, nevertheless, has stopped 56 of 57 shots. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Even me, I, I was kind of optimistic about Jonathan Quick. I felt like you know they could still get something out of him. He could transition into a backup role. There's left less wear and tear and probably just do a better job overall in that role at this point in his career. But yeah, 56 saves on 57 shots. Uh, even the biggest Ranger optimist and the biggest Jonathan Quick fan in the world, I don't know that they could have seen that coming uh, to start the season. It is early, but so far so good with Jonathan Quick. You've also got Eric Gustafson, who seems to be a pretty solid presence on the third pairing with Braden Schneider. You know, he's known as an offensive defenseman, or at least that's how I kind of saw him coming into this season. Obviously, you know, I didn't watch him that closely over the years. To begin with, he's on a new team every single season. Um, did I break down hours and hours of Eric Gustafson tape? No, I didn't. But his reputation, at least as far as I was concerned, was always, you know, that of a good offensive defenseman. Think like Keith Yandel, who... You know, people acted like he was a disaster defensively. I wouldn't go that far. I thought he was just okay. But the biggest thing he brought to the table was offense from the blue line. Same thing for Gustafson. But Gustafson's played very well defensively uh, so far in the season as well. And something else we've talked about on here quite a bit is the fact that the Rangers over the past couple of years here have basically had a revolving door as far as the six defenseman is concerned. And you could make a case that Eric Gustafson is the best of the bunch. It's probably either him or Nico Mikola. Uh, Mikola, different style of defenseman, you know, kind of the stay-at-home type and the big, tough, physical guy. Gustafson, a little bit more dynamic, uh, can get involved in the offense a little bit more than Mikola. So it depends what you're looking for. But Gustafson, yeah, two goals and two assists so far this season is a plus five thus far as well. And has kind of found a home on the second power play unit. So good stuff from Gustafson. And then for Bonino, you know, it's interesting because I see some Ranger fans online getting on the fourth line a little bit. And, you know, the um, the metrics aren't really in the fourth line's favor. And then the fourth line, for all intents and purposes, is Bonino, Goodrow, and VZ. The expected goals for for that line is not good, and the expected goals against is not good either. Goals for is like under a goal per 60 minutes. Goals against is over three goals. But, you know, that's where I, I think sometimes these these stats are, you know, that they have their place, but I, I don't live and die by, by analytics because when you see this line on the ice, I mean, does anybody like feel like disaster is impending when the fourth line for the Rangers is on the ice? Does anybody feel like, oh man, we're definitely going to give up a goal now? I don't feel that way. I mean, they do nothing offensively, or, or thus far, they've done nothing offensively. Bonino and Goodrow don't have any points. And Jimmy Vesey, I believe, has two assists at this point of the season. But I don't see them as like this tremendous liability that people are, are making them into. And Bonino specifically has done a lot of good things. Even if you believe in those analytics and everything, uh, Bonino is part of a Ranger penalty kill unit that is 
uh, stopped the opposition on 87.1% of the power plays against. Uh, that's 10th best in the league. Bonino is playing a big role there. Uh, he's winning 58.8% of his face-off face-offs, and he's blocking shots. My God, is he blocking shots. Nick Bonino, we are nine games into the season. He has been credited with 31 block shots. 31 block shots for Nick Bonino. And keep in mind, he's only averaging 10 minutes and 41 seconds of ice time per night. So to me, that alone makes him, you know, a steady contributor, somebody that has something to offer. His defensive instincts seem to be very good when the Rangers are killing penalties. I really like what the Rangers have gotten from Bonino thus far. And, you know, I know people get on Chris Drury from time to time, and at times it's been warranted. Uh, he's not perfect at all, but the thing I have said on this podcast, I'll probably continue to say, unless things really go south unexpectedly, is that Chris Drury has had more hits than misses thus far in his time as the New York Ranger GM. And these three pickups right here are all contributing in a very positive way for the Rangers, and he got them all uh, for six figures. And that's what he had to do because the Rangers basically had no cap space. So good stuff all around there. Uh, nice to see uh, the, these free agents contributing early. And we're going to talk more about the free agents in greater detail, all the free agents that were picked up by the Rangers in the offseason in our next episode. Uh, for right now, though, I want to turn our attention to our Temi Panarin and just the fantastic start to the season that he's had. I want to uh, talk about him potentially being back to an MVP candidate. You know, he was in the mix a few years ago with the Rangers. Uh, perhaps he gets back to that level this season. He's certainly playing like it thus far. We'll get to that and some other fun things in just a minute here. But first, I want to let everybody know today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Because Zibanejad could score 50 goals, the New York Rangers could hoist the Stanley Cup, and you could win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy hockey. Because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether studs like... Adam Fox, Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, or Igor Shesterkin will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, mi plus minus, and more in a given game. To win 100 times your bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight-player stats. You heard me, Ranger fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. All right, let's go ahead and turn our attention to our Timmy Panarin, who just has been ridiculous to start the season here for the Rangers, uh, emerged as an early season candidate for the Hart and the Ted Lindsay, and I realize, again, Light years to go the rest of the season. But if you're giving awards based on just one month, uh, he's right in there. He'd be in the mix uh, as one of the finalists for sure. And it's interesting because we saw him emerge as one of three finalists for both the Hart and the Ted Lindsay uh, years ago, his first season with the Rangers back in 2019, 2020. Uh, he was against, I want to say Mc McKinnon and McDavid. And I believe McDavid won both awards that year. Can't really argue with that. Although I was kind of making a case for Panarin that, you know, by the letter of the law by the definition of the award that uh, he should have maybe gotten the heart because it's most valuable player. And uh, Artemi Panarin, especially back then, his value to the Rangers could not possibly be understated. Uh, they've obviously gotten better since then. They have a lot more depth since then. Uh, be that as it may, um, you know, he's somebody that 
again this year could be in the heart conversation. And the thing that I love, you know, the points are, are wonderful and everything, but this guy is just out there. He's engaged in every shift. He's battling in every shift. Uh, I thought early in this season, that line of him and Heedle and Lafreniere looked fantastic. Every time they were on the ice, they were basically swarming. And we know that one of Panarin's calling cards and one of uh, his MVP traits is that he is able to, no matter who he's playing with, bring them to another level. And you have to believe right now with Heedle and Lafreniere, and again, a little bit up and down for both of them to start the season, but overall, I think more good than bad from both players. But as far as Panarin's line mates, I mean, has he played on a line that has, you know, this much upside and this much potential? And I'm not counting, you know, last year, I know he was out there for a time with Mika and Tarasenko, um, but, you know, Tarasenko was only here for half a season, and I don't think that line really stuck with any serious regularity maybe for just a little while. Um, but it seems like going forward, you know, th these are going to be his guys. Panarin's going to be out there with Hedl and Lafreniere, two former first-round picks, two guys that, uh, as Ranger fans, we're all hoping can take that next step, get to that next level. Panarin has elevated his other teammates in the past, and he can do the same thing here. And if he does, that only strengthen his case. If he continues on this torrid scoring pace that he's on right now, it'll only strengthen his case so, you know, maybe be in the mix for some hardware at the end of the season. And again, I know there's a, there's a long way to go here, but show me anybody who's played better than Artemi Panarin. If you just want to go by points, I should preface this whole thing by mentioning that McDavid has missed some time here. So that's why his name isn't in the mix here. But uh, Panarin, <clears throat> second to just Jack Hughes in the NHL in points. Hughes has 18 points. Panarin and Dylan Larkin tied with 15 points. And Jesper Bratt and David Pasternak both have 14. So Panarin right in the middle of it uh, has at least one point in all nine of his games so far, just showing up with excellent consistency. Uh, he's doing his thing on the power play as well and just working hard, working hard every single shift. And you just hope if you're a Ranger fan that you know, come playoff time, if the Rangers can get there, uh, that he can carry this kind of momentum, this kind of success into postseason hockey. Because I don't think, you know, if the Rangers make the playoffs this year, there's not going to be a single player under the microscope more than Artemi Panarin. And even if you expand that to the entire NHL and you just look at, you know, general hockey fans and who they're going to be watching, yeah, Panarin's going to be uh, certainly watched very closely come Stanley Cup playoff time. We'll do a couple of rapid fire takeaways before we call it here uh, for the uh, for the day. Uh, one other big takeaway here, and this is something that we discussed going into the season, the Rangers have really taken advantage of what seems to be a bit of a soft part of their schedule. Now, on one hand, nine games in October, seven of them were on the road. That's not easy any way you slice it. Obviously, the Rangers have passed that, that class uh, with flying colors, or passed that test with flying colors, I should say. But... Yeah, you know, we talked about how new coach, new faces, new system, and the Rangers are going to have to try to learn on the fly a little bit and try to figure out all this stuff as the season goes. And you just kind of hope that, you know, maybe there will be some hiccups here and there, but maybe the Rangers can make a mistake here, a mistake there, and still get away with it because they're going up against teams um, that just, you know, on paper at least, don't really look that good. And to kind of uh, illustrate my point here, as far as this being a softer portion of the schedule, you look at the Ranger opponents so far this season, only two of them right now are above 500. Uh, that would be the Canucks, 5-2-1, and one, and the Jets, 4-3-2. and two. And honestly, if you combine those losses for the Jets, they're 4-5, and five, so they're under 500. But you look at you know the, the, entire, the entirety of the Rangers' opponents, and you do their combined record. The nine games they've played so far, the Rangers' opponents have a combined record of 31 38 and nine. And if we once again combine all those losses, that's 31 and 47, which 
is not a good record, but we've talked about this before too. There are not many easy wins in this league anymore. Just doesn't happen very often. Every once in a blue moon, you get the Rangers beating up the Flyers nine to nothing. Or there's that weekend last year where they played the Penguins and the Predators back to back and they beat them by a combined score of like 13 to nothing or whatever it was. So it does happen from time to time, but the easy wins, the ones where you just put it on cruise control, very, very few, very, very uh, far between in this league. And, you know, hey, you, you got you to gotta play your schedule. The Rangers don't make their own schedule. If they're playing a couple of subpar teams early, then so be it. And that's something that good teams do. We've talked about that in the past too. They take care of business against weaker teams. Something the Rangers really struggled with last year was playing down, especially early in the season, was playing down to the competition. They were losing games to the Sharks and the Ducks and the Blue Jackets and the Blackhawks. It wasn't good. You know, they were really leaving points on the table. And this year, even if they are playing some subpar teams, uh, they're making sure that they take advantage of it and they bank those points early in the season. Uh, something else I'm going to throw out here <clears throat> as far as a takeaway, the Rangers are going to win more face-offs than they lose for the first time in a very, very long time. So I'm going to throw a stat at you guys, and some of you might be aware of it. Some of you have an idea that you know the Rangers have done well as far as face-offs are concerned, but you better be sitting down for this one. So we've seen this team struggle and struggle and struggle on face-offs over the past however many years it's been at this point. So the Rangers right now are third in the NHL in face-off winning percentage at 54.5%. Again, third in the NHL. They trail only the Penguins and the Sharks, uh, two last-place teams, go figure. But you look at individuals on this Ranger team, Nick Bonino, we mentioned this earlier, 58.8% winning percentage right now uh, for the Rangers. You get Mika Zibanejad winning just over half. He's at 50.4%. Philip Hedl is only at 45.8%, but that would be the best mark of his career if he stays there for the rest of the season. We'll see how that plays out. So he's improved in that area. And Vincent Trocek is winning 61.8% of his faceoffs. Now, some of these winning percentages, uh, namely Bonino and Trocek, will likely come back down to earth at a certain point here. Um, very, very difficult to sustain that all season and win 61 plus percent of your face-offs. But even so, you know those guys are going to do well on the dot. Um, Mika Zibanejad, you hope that he gets over uh, 50% for the season. And Hedl, if he can at least be competitive, that's all we really need. Um, so props to the Rangers for improving in that area. I think Michael Pekka has a lot to do with that. He was an excellent face-off man during his uh, playing career. And obviously, he's now on the Ranger coaching staff. So uh, that's great to see as well. Rangers uh, winning face-offs. And it's made a difference in some of these wins. Uh, that is for sure. Another big takeaway here. The NHL preseason is completely 100% meaningless. Now, the Rangers, I shouldn't say that 100%, but it kind of is. The, the only preseason, the only players that the preseason matters to are guys that are trying to fight their way onto the roster. You know, Will Cooley, I'm sure it mattered to him. You look at like Jimmy Vesey last year, who was on a PTO and had to make the team. So there, yeah, it, it makes sense. But um, as far as, you know, the preseason mattering to those players, but you look at, you know, guys that are like established stars in this league. I, I just think it's hard to dial it up that high in six largely meaningless preseason games. And I realize, you know, not everybody's going to play in every game. They'll play in like three or four each uh, or five, maybe, depending on your status with the team. But yeah, it's hard to crack up the intensity that high. And I know you want to establish an identity and establish a winning culture and all that good stuff. But they went one in five. Everybody thought the sky was falling, and they've been a completely different team ever since the regular season started. And I would wager that most of the people listening to this, and myself included, 
Uh, probably been a very, very long time since you last thought about anything that the Rangers did in the preseason. It's all in the past. It doesn't matter at this point. The Rangers have their team, again, playing very, very well to start the season. Uh, to kind of wrap things up for today, there's more takeaways than this. I, I thought about, honestly, doing a part two tomorrow, but I want to shift our attention specifically to the Ranger free agent signees. So we'll do that in tomorrow's episode. Uh, you guys can feel free to leave your takeaways in the comment section on YouTube or email it to me, do whatever you got to do. Uh, also, Rangers going to be at home against the Canes on Thursday at 7 p.m. Rangers in first place in the Metro. Canes in second place in the Metro with a record of six and four. They've won three in a row. And like the Rangers, the Canes do not play uh, either tonight, Tuesday, or tomorrow, Wednesday. So both teams going to be fresh, rested up for what should be a really exciting division matchup. And I'm very curious to see if the Rangers can keep it rolling and avoid that letdown that sometimes comes with your first home game uh, following a lengthy road trip. So, yeah, figure we can call it there. Once again, thank you guys as always for tuning in to Locked On New York Ranger Podcast, your team every day. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.